I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Owning your shit is the key to a happy life because if you don't own it, it'll own you. If you're blaming anyone else for anything in your life, it means you're not owning your shit. You're not doing what you need to, and that is keeping you stuck. So today, I'm going to teach you the three ways you're neglecting your own emotional needs, because that's when you're doing, when you don't own it, and how to fix it. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Hello, hello, you're here. I'm here, we're here, yeah. Let's do this thing. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, doing one of my absolute favorite things to do, which is recording the podcast and responding to a question that came in. So today I'm not going to be doing anything at the end of the podcast because this whole podcast is a response to actually a few people who have written in. Without saying this, they've said this. They're basically, you know, not owning their own stuff and they're blaming other people. So the questions were things like, how do I stop focusing on my partner, you know, and what they're doing? How do I stop uh, being mad at so-and-so, you know, because they wronged me or whatever? It's really the same thing. And so I've put them all together and today you're getting this podcast and it's really going to be helpful. So please, please, you know, stay tuned and help. And I also have another free gift. Actually, a gift is free. So I 
calling it a free gift is pretty redundant, but I made a, I created something new for you guys to really help you, uh, sort of really get what I'm laying down. Uh, that's going to just take you a few minutes a day. So, uh, stay tuned for that. I'll talk about it later, but, um, I do want to mention that uh, a lot of folks don't know I am on social media. I'm on all social media uh, pretty much, but I also uh, am on Instagram and you can follow me at Abby Metcalf Thriving. And I do I do reels a lot, which is really Instagram's answer to TikTok where I give like a 30 second tip on communication or feeling better or a new way to think about your day or anything like that. Sort of video form me chatting. So if you don't yet, you should follow me on Instagram. Go on over there at Abby Metcalf Thriving. And I'm also starting a room on Clubhouse. By the time you listen to this, it will have already started. If you don't know about Clubhouse, it's a um, Clubhouse is an audio only social media platform. It's basically how I, how I would describe it. What what Clubhouse basically is, it's um, if a podcast and a talk show and a and a meeting about something, you know, or a, a workshop about something you were really interested in. If all those three had a baby, that would be Clubhouse. And basically, you you get on Clubhouse and there's all these rooms, quote unquote, they call them rooms. And you can go in a room and you can be part of the conversation. And the rooms have topics, as you might imagine. And you can raise your hand and you can talk. You can ask a question. You could have something to offer, you know, some of your own experience or whatever or examples of what they're talking about. And it's great because it's everything you can imagine. And uh, I've started a room with a colleague of mine, Tess Brigham, and both of us have, uh, she's a licensed uh, MFT and she's also you know, a licensed counselor and she's also a coach um, and works in businesses. And I have that same kind of background in therapy and business. And so we're doing a room on how to be happy and effective at work. And we're going to talk about everything. You know, if you have a, a tough boss, if you are anxious, uh, you know, imposter syndrome, you name it, anything has to do with it. So you can come in and ask questions. You can be part of the conversation. It's just a really cool way um, to, I feel like I'm bringing the podcast live to you in a different way, but really focused on business and uh, all my experience there and all of hers. And she's amazing. And so if, uh, it's, it, the thing with Clubhouse is that it's invitation only. So, uh, but you can just go on there and ask for them to uh, let you in. You can just, uh, they'll say, oh, you're on the waiting list, but you can probably come right in or you can get an invitation. And I have a bunch of invitations. So if you want to DM me on Instagram, uh, I will see about getting you an invitation to a clubhouse. And so it's going to be on Tuesdays at noon every week. Uh, that's Pacific time. So I don't know what time that is where you're listening from, since I have listeners from all over the world. But uh, that's when it's going to be. And I'd love, love, love to have you there. So check it out ask me questions. If you have questions about it, you can email me too. Um, and there you go. All right. So let's get to it. My people, I love you. Want to talk about it. So owning your shit is truly the key to a happy life. I wasn't kidding about that. And it's really about taking 100% responsibility for the relationships in your life. That's what I'm talking about. And when I say 100%, what I'm really saying is that you own, that you've co-created every relationship in your life. So you're taking 
um, this 100% responsibility for your role in the relationship and uh, not theirs. No, you're not taking their responsibility. That's called codependency. We're not doing that. This is about, you know, it's owning your shit, not their shit, right? Uh, so, and I don't want to say shit this whole podcast. So I'm going to really talk about what I mean because when I talk about owning your shit, what I really mean is that you own your thoughts and feelings completely. That is what I'm talking about. You don't blame others for making you feel a certain way because no one can. And you realize that how you respond to things, it's a choice. It's not a fact. I I don't know how many ways to say this. So when you own your stuff, we'll say stuff. I don't really, like I said, keep feeling like saying shit. You aren't blaming other people for what's happening, and you're also not waiting for them to do something, for them to take action, for them to apologize, for them to whatever, to have whatever that is. It's not their job to jump in and save you. It's not their job to rescue you. It's not their job to make you feel better. It's not any of those things. So, uh, but let me get to what it really is. Now, let me just say this, number one, the symptoms of not owning your shit, not owning your stuff what I, here's what I see the most. It's people who get caught up in verb. Remember, I've talked about verb before, which is basically you act like a victim. You act entitled to something. You're again, like kind of waiting to be rescued. You're waiting for someone to, to fix something or you're blaming. So if you're doing any of those, you really should be listening well today. If you feel or have been told you're passive, needy, weak, or clingy in relationships, then it's, you're probably not owning your stuff. If you're always looking for someone else to give you support, reassurance, or advice, like you just don't feel good without it, again, you're in the right place. If your feelings change based on other people, you know, they're in a bad mood, so now you are too. Uh, you're proud of something, but then, you know, your 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 mom poops on it, and now you're not proud of it anymore, and now you changed your mind about how you feel about it, you're in the right place. If you're preoccupied with your relationships, you're always checking in, asking for feedback, thinking about what they're thinking. What are they doing? What are they doing? Again, that's really a sign. I know it sounds great, but it's a sign of you not owning your stuff because you're so focused on them. Also, if you're perfectionistic and self-critical, I know that you're over-owning your stuff, but you're not really because you're not really owning anything. You're not owning your feelings. That's why you're perfectionistic and so self-critical. You you look to others to build your self-esteem when you do that. So that means you're not owning it. Uh, you're Maybe you're often anxious about uh, how you're showing up and what others will say and all that kind of stuff. Again, it's all in that perfectionist. I have to do it right. I'm so critical. I'm such a loser. Why did I do it that way? What was I thinking? All of that, believe it or not, is not owning your stuff. And you might think, oh, I own it too much. Nope, you're not owning it because you end up feeling better for a moment when someone says something nice. That means you're not owning it. And the reason you're, again, up in that is because you're not owning it. And I would say if you've ever been, ever identified as being anxiously anxiously attached, <laughs> I did a whole podcast on attachment styles, which I will link to in the show notes. Um if you've identified that, you're likely in this category. So I do want to say that. So if any of that sounds familiar at all, then, you know, hey, we're going to have a good time together today. So let me just say this. There's generally, there's three main reasons why you don't own your feelings. Because it's, again, what it all comes down to is owning your feelings, owning your own thoughts and feelings. One, you don't know you're having them. You're so far from knowing how you feel that you're not even aware of them. 
I work with so many people who really don't know how they feel in the moment and haven't even thought about what they're thinking in a moment. It takes work. When you've had a lifetime of doing it this way, you just, you don't really, you know, you're a fish who doesn't know it's wet. So we have to work on that. Number two, you don't feel entitled to your feelings. There's some shame going on. You don't feel like you deserve to feel this way. You know, I'm overreacting. I'm too sensitive. I'm too emotional. I hear all that. Uh, It's like you don't, you're not entitled. It's not good enough. Well, I shouldn't be mad. It wasn't a big enough deal. You're minimizing, you're, you're discounting what you feel. And you do it so often that you don't even feel the feelings anymore. Or the third thing I see is you're worried that if you say how you feel really, the other person won't like you. And that scares you more than anything. This means they'll abandon you. They'll judge you. They'll criticize you. You'll have to walk on eggshells around them. Um, You'll be nervous because they'll be upset. And as you might imagine, not feeling entitled to your feelings and being so worried that other people won't like you is very linked to your self-esteem. And again, I have another podcast on that, which I'll link to. So because you think this way, you literally end up emotionally neglecting and mistreating yourself. That's what's happening. That I want you to hear that. You are emotionally neglecting yourself. You are mistreating yourself. And that's what leads to not owning your own stuff and blaming those around you. That's how that works. That's the little uh, path that that goes on. So if you got to know and understand your thoughts and feelings to stop that cycle, uh, to stop what's happening. And in my experience, this emotional self-neglect shows up in three main ways. So I'm going to walk you through them right now and teach you what you want to do instead so you can... What's the title? Stop blaming other people (laughs) and other circumstances and start owning your own emotions in life, aka own your own shit. So let's get to those three ways. All right. So number one, so these are the three ways you emotionally mistreat yourself and what to do instead. I just want to be really clear what we're talking about. Okay. Um, Number one, you allow other people to tell you how you think and feel. I see this so darn much and it makes me crazy. So what did I just say earlier? No one can make you feel anything. I know it seems like they can, but they can't. But they can't. You see other people not getting swayed by what other people are saying or doing. It is you that is reacting to this thing. It's always up to you. And this always, always boils down to your thoughts, your beliefs about the thing, whatever's going on. Remember, you feel the way you think. How often do I repeat this phrase? You feel the way you think. So you end up allowing others to tell you really what should be important to you. uh, And you allow them to tell you where you should put your focus, who you should focus on, what you should focus on. That's really what you're allowing them to do when you allow them to tell you how you think and feel. Because so again, you might have been happy about something, someone else has a different reaction, and you end up now thinking about the thing they told you or believing the thing they told you, and then you feel different. It's really, you, you got to really get this part that you're allowing them to tell you how you think and feel. You don't have to do that. And so you end up, you blame others for how you feel because you're deciding that they are the why of how you feel. I feel this way because my partner did this, because my mom said that, because my, no, no, you don't get to do that. You really, 
you just can't. You can't keep living that way and expect to be happy because now your happiness is in other people's hands and it's completely out of your control. And what happens, of course, is that you start to try to manipulate them or uh, you don't say something so they don't have the reaction. You know, you do all these things. It's manipulation, though. Even not saying something is manipulation because if your goal is to make someone act a certain way, that's manipulation. If your goal is for them not to bother you or not to say something negative or not to whatever, it's still a goal. It's still a manipulation. I'm giving you straight talk today. I'm giving you straight love because I do love you and it is from love. I don't think you're a bad person for doing this. I really don't. I do. I get caught it up in it myself sometimes because I too am not perfect, but you need to hear this. So, um, you know, I, recently with a client, they got a promotion at work and their um, husband was not happy about it. He, so, you know, she was so excited. She got this, well, actually I have two examples I'm going to give you. Okay. I'm going to give you her first. So she was so excited. She got this promotion. Now the promotion didn't include money, but it was definitely for her. It was a promotion and it was way more in line with what she wants to do with this company. So she was so excited for it and she had really um, been campaigning for it. So again, even though it wasn't more money, it was uh, more satisfaction at her job and definitely giving her the leverage in the future to have a different track at her company. Okay. So she was really excited. But when she told him, he said, oh, isn't that I thought you weren't going for that because it wasn't going to be more money. Oh, you know, now you're going to have even, uh, you know, how's it a promotion if you're not making more money? I wouldn't call it a promotion. I'd call it a lateral move and I'd call it that. And he was giving her all this shit about it. And he has his own issues, obviously, um, about this, but she ended up feeling like poop about it. She did. When we got on the phone about it, because I asked, I said, oh, because it was supposed to happen in between our appointments. And I said, wow, did you get that promotion? And she said, she was, yeah, just like that. Yeah. And I, I said, oh, my God, because we had been so excited about it. And she had really been planning this and really taking ownership of her work life because she was unhappy at work in her old role. And we talked about, you know, is money more important? What's the most important thing? And if you're doing what you like, you'll be better at it and you will make more money ultimately. So blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but his reaction totally brought her down about it. And I told her, not acceptable. Also, I said to her, well, what did you say to him about it? And she goes, well, nothing. Like, what was I supposed to say? I'm like, what were you supposed to say? <laughs> You're shooting on my parade. <laughs> with love, with love. Um, you know, and when someone does have that reaction, I hope that you can just come to them and take their hands and look them in the eye and go, you know, this is something I'm really excited about. I totally get that maybe you don't agree with it or don't, you know, see it the way I do, but I would love it if you could just be happy for me. Or even better, before you talk to them, before you present the idea, if you have any inkling that they're not going to be happy for you, or if you have a history where they kind of first negatively say something, set them up for success in what you say, you know, uh, just let them know. I do it all the time when I want, you know, to just kind of complain about something or dump something uh, with Gary, I often will say to him, listen, I this is one of those conversations where I do not want suggestions. I do not, I just want you to be all lovey and supportive. <laughs> and sometimes he'll kind of giggle and he'll be like, all right, sit on my lap. Let's do this thing. You know, we, we sort of get in that headspace together so he understands what, you know, I'm setting him up for success. So do think of that when you do this, but don't, no matter what, don't allow them, the other person to say how you should feel. Um, 
and I'll give you another example I had about the same thing. Someone got a promotion. Uh, this was a man who got a promotion that I was working with, and it was uh, he the his partner. She was really upset, saying, "Oh, now you're never going to be around to help me. Now you're going to be working even more hours." Uh, and then again, he ended up feeling crappy about the new position. And so again, you know, this shouldn't change your delight about it. And you have to figure out how to shift that. And so what I want you to do instead, there's two things you can do. So you don't have to figure out how to shift that. I'm going to help you shift that. So there's two things you can do. You can do one, either or both. One is, the first one is when you're noticing that you're having a reaction. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I want you to stop and ask yourself why you're having that reaction. What's happening is that you have a belief about whatever's going on, and this creates a feeling in you. So... When you're with, let's say, your partner is, and I did do this with um, the, the uh, first client I mentioned, the woman, and I said to her, so your, so your reaction was what? You know, I kind of walked it through with her. And she said, well, I was deflated. You know, I was totally deflated. He brought, he brought me down, you know, 10 stories. And I was like, well, <laughs> he didn't, you did. So, but what were you thinking about? Like, what did it mean to you that he said that? Did you just discard it and go, oh, he's so full of crap. Like, ah, I don't have to listen to what he says. I know better. And uh, she's like, well, no, you know, I started to think he was right. And, you know, this is what made her feel like crap. She stopped believing in the things she believed. He swayed what she was thinking about it. You know, maybe he's right. It really is. I should make more money. I didn't ask enough. I didn't, you know, all the shoulds, all the things. and. That's the problem. So what you really want to do is, because again, you feel the way you think, you want to identify, again, what you believe about what's happening that's creating the feeling you're having. Then I want you to do some rational emotive therapy work around it. And I did a whole, uh, a short, a really short podcast on how to use this tool um, I have a little download you can get for the rational motive therapy tool, but basically what it is, it's asking yourself in a situation, what else could be true? And I, I break it down much more. I don't want to do a whole thing on it here because I have a whole thing on it somewhere else, but it is a short, it's like a 20 minute podcast, I think, just on using that tool. Uh, again, I'll link to in the show notes, which you can find at abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 140. Uh, so what what's happening is you have a belief. So I said, you know, I, I worked it out with her. I'm like, what else could you believe? What else could be true? 
And, um, you know, we were, she was able to really talk about that. Well, that he's having a reaction because he's thinking about what he's going to lose with this promotion for me. That maybe he's jealous. Maybe he's not because I make more money. She makes more money than him. She's like, maybe he's jealous that I make more money. and Or maybe he's upset that I'm doing something I really love and he's in a job he doesn't really love. And so he was reacting um, from that. Uh, no, And she was able to say, no matter what, it's a fear reaction to have so much negativity to something positive that comes up. And so when I, and then we worked through that and I said, well, how do you feel now? And she said, well, I kind of feel bad for him that he's feeling that maybe he's feeling, you know, less than with me or not feeling like he's really valuable in our relationship or all the, you know, we, we did more on this than the two minutes I'm giving you, but that's kind of what came at the end. So then I was able to say to her, well, what would you like to do about that? And so instead of her being resentful and angry that he wasn't acting the way she wanted him to, she said, you know, I really need to make sure he feels valued, that he gets how much I love him. And I want to support him and maybe changing his job if he wants to do that and do what I did. And how can we get there together as a team and really think of ourselves as a team? And we did a whole thing around this. And it took, I'm not saying it took one session. It really was over a couple sessions that we got there, but she was able to really shift all of this anger and resentment she was feeling. And she was able to go be honest with him about what she was actually feeling about what was going on. But mostly she was taking ownership of what she was thinking about the situation. And by changing what she thought, she could change how she felt. And I can't speak highly enough for doing this process. And this is not Pollyanna bullshit, like, oh, everything's puppy dog tails and rainbows. It's not that. You know it's not because I talk about this stuff a lot. It is not. But it is truly un seeing things through different eyes. And that is always helpful. It doesn't mean it's absolutely true that her husband was feeling all these things. It means that was possible. And what were her reactions from that? So the other thing you can do, which I also talk about a lot, is you can be is to focus on your own calibration and being the dominant vibration in the room. Allowing other people to tell you how you think and feel, if you're a dominant vibration, you don't allow them to pull you to where they are. You don't let that happen. In the same way that it's interesting, you know when people are in a really good mood and it's quote unquote infectious, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, so great. Well, you could be the person in the good mood and you could be infectious and you could bring that to yourself. Uh, I was... um, recording someone else's podcast today. I was a guest on the Addicted Mind podcast today and we were talking about this and that how you can really be, you know, if you're going in, I was sharing how I had a meeting um, a couple weeks ago with uh, a company I'm working with and I was meeting with this team that's been very difficult. And I just got brought in recently and the team is like, oh, they're, they're really competitive with each other. There's a lot of anger and resentment and bad stuff. And I was... I noticed that as I was thinking about the meeting, as I was preparing, that I was dreading it, that I wasn't looking forward to it. I was thinking, oh, I got to manage these people. And it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. And I realized how bad that was. <laughs> I was expecting bad things. So, and of course, that's what would have happened. So I had to be the dominant vibration going in. I had to focus on my calibration, being at a high vibrational state before I went in the meeting. And I will tell you, it's actually ends up, it ended up, that's how I started the meeting. I, as we all sat down, I said, I'd like to start with something. I said, you know, I was feeling a lot of trepidation about this meeting because there's been a lot of, you know, rancor and difficulties. And, you know, I want to do a good job. I really want to show up in a great way. I want to be a value to everybody. 
and I realized that that was bad. I shouldn't be in that space. I needed to shift my focus. So I'm letting you guys know right now that I am all about, We are. everyone is walking out of this room feeling mutually understood. Everybody is walking out of this room. Well, not walking. We're on Zoom. You know what I mean? So they were giggling. Uh, you know, everyone's leaving this meeting feeling like they had something heard, something. Even if you don't feel completely understood, you know, you, you feel like you got something across. Everyone is here for the group, not for themselves, that they're really understanding what their own kind of selfish or, you know, self-absorbed needs are versus the group's needs. And then I went around and asked people their intentions. I'm like, all right, those are mine. What are yours? Let's hear it because let's get on the same page right now. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. And anyway, everyone was able to do it and we had a great meeting. <laughs> that doesn't always work exactly that way, but I be you'd be amazed at how often it does work. It generally works really well. So one of those two things or both of those things is really how you can get around allowing other people to tell you how you think and feel. All right. The second reason, uh, you the second way I should say you emotionally mistreat yourself is that you've got crappy boundaries. You haven't set clear boundaries and limits with other people about you what you will and won't accept. And then you often end up upset that they're treating you in a way you don't like. Because again, you you didn't say something because you're walking in eggshells. You didn't want to, you know, upset the apple cart. You didn't whatever. And in those situations, you often don't like it when they have clear boundaries, right? How dare, how dare they when they're making demands of you, but then not allowing you to make demands of them? And I will tell you that um, a, a great example I have is, you know, let's say uh, this comes up a lot. In ther- it's so funny. I sometimes, by the way, give client examples and I always have it's it's not un it's not uncommon to have like five people think it's them <laughs> to have a bunch of people go was that me you were talking about on the podcast because we're all alike we all have a lot of similar issues so anyway um so don't feel for sure this is you as I'm talking but anyway so uh let's say this has happened with a few clients I've had your their partner wanted them to be more open with their feelings more honest about how they were feeling. And they were, you know, it was up in the relationship a lot, you know, asking them to really get clear. And when the partner was thinking that they weren't being honest, you know, you're sure you're not resentful about that? You're sure you're not upset about that? And the, you know, and and the my client was saying, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, and they weren't fine, but they ne- didn't necessarily know it or whatever. They didn't want to say anything. Um, but anyway, it's getting talked about a lot. And so y- you're what was happening was they were, the partners were often asking them to get into therapy, um, you know, that they should work on this. And my clients were, so are in therapy, right, with me. And uh, they're, they're trying, they, they get it. Like, it's good feedback. I should be working on my feelings more. I believe them. I know I'm not really in touch. But they also like kind of resent being asked to do this work because in another way, they're being told by their partner that they're not being accepted for who they are. That's how it feels. You're not accepting me for who I am. There's something wrong with me. There's something bad. And why can't you just love me how I am kind of thing? And so there's that push-pull. I know I need to change this, but it also, I don't like that you're kind of, you know, making me do this for lack of a better term. And But of course, my clients are never saying anything to their partner before they meet with me anyway, aren't saying anything to their partners about this. And they make sort of a half-hearted attempt at therapy in the beginning or a half-hearted attempt at some couple's work they're doing, maybe not with me, maybe with somebody else, whatever it is. 
And but after a while, they get really sick of the focus being on them. And then so the next time maybe their partner says something like, hey, how's therapy going? Have you been or whatever? And they end up saying something like, well, how about you? You know, you have issues too. Why aren't you going to therapy? Or, or what are you doing in your therapy? Let me hear about your stuff. And then the partner will say, hey, we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about you. So I'm not going to, you're getting defensive. You're turning this around on me when I'm asking you a question. If you want to ask me a question at a later date, go for it. But right now I'm asking you something. And then, you know, my client will get really upset. Like, how dare they? But what they're doing, their partner's drawing a boundary. And dare I say an appropriate one? They're saying like, no, no, no. We're talking about you right now. If you want to talk about me, then you have to start being honest with your feelings and telling me when you're upset, (laughs) telling me when you'd like me to work on something. But what's happening a lot is that, and this might be you, that you're you're kind of okay with how your partner's being overall. You're it's good enough for you, but they're saying that it's not good enough for them how you're being. And so the only reason you're really you know being defensive and saying anything is because they're saying something to you. It you don't really necessarily need them to change, but you, you're getting upset at all the focus on you. And so you can see where this gets really caught up. And again, where if you're not saying your true feelings, if you're not really sharing, and if you're not setting your own boundaries of, you know, hey, I'm not going to do therapy. This is it. This is who I am. I need you to accept me how I am. Now that your partner can leave, they can say, well, I'm not, and I'm going to go. But it can still be your boundary. So in other words, if you're going to do therapy, make it your boundary that you're, you know, that like, this is great. I really love the feedback. I really want to work on this. That's awesome. And I'm I'm not even going to look at you. I'm just going to look at me and all I have to do. Or don't do it and draw the boundary that you're not. Either, you know, it just, you got to go all, what's happening is you're going kind of halfway in, you're kind of doing the therapy or the whatever they asked you to do, maybe going to couples with them or whatever it is. You're sort of half doing it to appease them, but you're really resentful and pissed about it. And, and you're feeling rejected and abandoned underneath it all, that they don't, it doesn't feel like they love you, you know, that they don't love you for you. And all that's coming to, but instead of talking about all that, you're not because you're afraid if I say all that, then they will leave. If I draw the boundary, then they won't want to be with me. Well, yeah, maybe that'll happen, but you you can't have it both ways. You can't be in a happy, connected, emotionally close relationship and be carrying around all these resentments. So you either have to take it upon yourself. Yeah, I really do have to work on this stuff. Or I'm really not. I need to find someone who who wants to be where I am, not where they are. But you got to make one or the other. And I'm giving you tough love because I love you. And it's not tough, is it? I hate tough love. I'm giving you love, love. <laughs> I'm giving you straight love, okay? I'm just saying what is because I don't want you... Uh, I don't want you not feeling good enough about yourself to say what you need and want. I, I really want you to do that. So uh, I do have a whole podcast on boundaries, how to make them, how to hold them. You, I'll um, link to that in the show notes. So you, because you have to identify them. That's what to do instead. You got to identify your boundaries. How do you want to be treated? What's acceptable and what's not? And then you have to stick to them. And your job is really to remind people when they don't meet your boundary or your standard, right? And again, you might need to work on your self-confidence, your self-esteem. Again, I have podcasts on that. I will link to them. But this is really where the work is. Okay. And then the third one is 
the way that you emotionally neglect or mistreat yourself is that you ignore your triggers. You ignore your triggers. So, and because as you pay more attention to your emotions and how you're feeling, you're going to notice what triggers you and prepare for it better. That's really what you should do. You've had, and you've had triggers for years that you ignore. You've had triggers for years and you just ignore them. And that's not okay. You really want, you, you want to work on not get, and you really want to work on those emotions. Cause again, that comes back to how you think you, you know, you feel the way you think. So you want to work on not getting so mad instead in a certain situation, instead of working on getting rig, rid of the trigger itself. So the, the trigger might always be there. Like, I don't know, your boss, let's say you're in a job where you or you're a coworker, you have a coworker that you can't get rid of. And they, you know, maybe they act a certain way that always triggers you and you get in a certain way about it. So, but you keep ignoring it and just trying to muscle through. You just try to muscle through. But what you really have to do is change your response to this trigger. You've got, because if you can't change the trigger, if you can't get rid of it, sometimes we can, you know, if you, um, if you're trying to not drink, you know, don't go into bars. That that can be a trigger to go into bars. You can do that. You cannot go into a bar. But if you have a coworker who triggers you to to resentment, anger, whatever, and you can't get rid of that coworker, you're gonna have to start thinking differently about the coworker or about how they're acting so that you cannot be triggered by it. And at the very least, you need to really think about how you're setting up your time you know, how, how you're dealing with the triggers, knowing that you have them. So, you know, if you're having a really hard week at work and you're feeling emotionally drained and you have a difficult meeting on (laughs) really a, a meeting that's always treacherous on Thursdays at four, when you're at your worst, you know, change the time of the meeting or change your day before the meeting or, you know, do something. Don't just think, oh, I'm just going to have to muscle through. Again, you want to change something. So, you know, again, what you're doing instead, it's not, oh, I'm going to my mom's, so I'm going to feel like crap. It's, I'm going to my mom's, which usually triggers me. So I'm going to do X and Y to make sure I'm not triggered. It's that. You you really want to take control. You want to take active action around things you know that trigger you and stop ignoring them. We try to muscle through, willpower through, feel motivated that day. That works occasionally, but not all the time. Um, You know, what can you think instead about what your mom is saying? You know, you know, she often comes at you a certain way. What can you think instead? What can you do to get yourself ready and to be that dominant vibration walking into your mom's house. There's, there's a million things that you can do. Uh, I've talked a lot on here about my own mom um, who's passed away. And my, you know, when I had a lot of difficulty in my relationships with her until I started really practicing these things I'm preaching and really being aware in those conversations and not getting so triggered and setting it up so that I wouldn't get triggered, you know, really setting them up so that the triggers were were very rare. I, I don't know if it's possible to set things up that you'd never get triggered, <laughs> but you can certainly minimize them and uh, minimize the amount of them that happen, you know, the, the how many times they happen. So, all right. And so really overall, you know, if you're really going to step back from all of this and own your shit, own your stuff, own your emotions, that's what that means. Stop blaming other people for your what's going on. It really means that you have to observe the reactions you're having without judgment. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. 
with curiosity. You've got to work on that curiosity. So it's not, you know, um, why did I do that? It's, huh, why, why did I do that? What, what was I, what was going on there? It's that. It's just approaching yourself in a different, through a different lens in a different way. You want to work on what's, on understanding what's triggering you and why, and why it's triggering you. So you can change how you show up. That's what you're trying to do. This means you've got to up that mindfulness game that I talk so much about. And that's my free little thing coming at you today or my new gift that I created. Because you, the mindfulness, you know, I have, again, I'll link to it in the show notes. I do have um, whole podcasts on it. But I, I put together a mindfulness starter kit. It's a mindfulness starter kit. Just so it's all in one place. It's easy. You don't have to go to 15 places to look for things and listen to that and watch that and put it together. I did it for you. I just did it for you. It's got all, I've got like 18 tips in there to be mindful each day. I, you know, I've got the little way to do it. It's nice and short. You know, it's long enough to give you the idea, but short enough that you can read it in a few minutes, you know, in a 15 minutes and really have an idea so that you can now do it consistently. So that is there. The Mindfulness Starter Kit, you again, uh, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. It'll be living right here on this page, the starter kit. And uh, as always, you know, if you have any questions or anything else, you know, just let me know, abby at abbymetcalf.com. And that's it. I so love that you're here with me. I so appreciate that I can speak so directly to you and not um, and not BS you and just really talk to you because we have a relationship. And I love you. I so love you. And everything I say comes from that place. It really does. I, I feel you. I, I get your emails, which I love. Please keep sending them. I answer every one. I feel you. I, I feel what's going on. And I'm talking directly to you. That's why it feels that way. I'm picturing you in my mind as I talk because I have a relationship with you. I feel that relationship. I want you to feel it. And I want you to understand that you absolutely positively can change your life by incorporating these sorts of things that are research-backed, that are clear, that I've been doing for so many years with clients from all different walks of life that I see working. So yes, it works in my own life, but i really everything is based on things I see work in all my clients' lives. That's what I'm really giving you. And I think that's what's special and different about what I do. Uh, so it's, you know, not just my golden little life you're following, because it's not, but <laughs> the the work I've done and what I really know works for folks. So please do this. I want you to own your stuff. I want you to feel in control of your life. I want you to stop blaming other people and just take responsibility. Not blame. You are not to blame, but responsibility so that you can take action. You know it's not it's not here yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Sweetie, it's coming. It's just a yet. It's just a yet. All right. I love you so much. Have an amazing week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety 
to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.